Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this season. Father, we just pray that that with this year of this season, you would erase more of the world from each and every one of us and replace it with Jesus. Father, bless us. I ask you to open our eyes today. Open our ears. Speak truth to us, God. Glorious and beautiful truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, Thank you, God, for being here. Just a quick recap from last week. What a powerful message we had last week. We got to be more like Moses. Every time we feel like we want to throw the towel in and say, go ahead, God, blast away. We've got to get down on our knees and pray and intercede. And I know God is calling all of us to do that more and more each and every day. I guarantee you if your heart is hurting, that's what God is asking you to do. So remember, we've got to do that. I know there are going to be some more plans as we approach the new year that will give us more opportunity to come together as a powerful and mighty body in the Lord to repent, to pray. Remember that we've, when we're put in these situations at this time that we can't turn around and run the other way. Parents, you know this. Pastor Jay said this. It is best to run to God, arms wide open, saying, God, I want to learn whatever it is you want to teach me here. Because that is so much more exciting than running and tucking tail. The tail always ends up hurting much worse in those instances. Folks, there's going to be conflict. Now, I don't know about you, Conflict is good. We have the power. We're not going to lose this battle. God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. That was the word he was given, and basically it was his job description. He's going to be God with you, all of you. There will be conflict. I have a confession to make. I love conflict. I've just had to adjust it a bit as I became a follower of Christ. 
instead of being the smallest guy on the football field that just was hankering to put the biggest guy on the field out of the game, I got to look for the biggest entities of darkness and deception now and know that they are the ones I need to remove from this game. Because in the end, we're all moving toward the full glory of God. That's what we're yearning for. The full joy. Let's talk about the three steps of the Jewish wedding process. I'll admit, tackling this Christmas story, uh, my first thought was, oh, goodness. Everybody's heard it, read it 50 million times. Uh, But God was faithful. He's taught me a lot in my preparation for this. So if I'm the one that had to learn a lot about it, thank you, Lord. You guys can rest for another 30 minutes then. The Jewish wedding process. First step is engagement. Young man goes to the father of the woman he would like to marry, and they negotiate. The father's going to be losing a valuable part of his family, someone who works, provides, is some part of the manufacturing process. So they negotiate what he thinks it's going to be worth for him to be able to lose that family member. Once they've negotiated that price, the engagement is set. Then they bring in the young woman who the young man would like to marry. And what he does is he gives her a cup of wine. And he says, I offer you my life in doing that. She then can either reject the offer or take the cup, sip the wine, and in doing so, tell the young man that she accepts his life and in return is giving her life. If she accepts and does that, the betrothal period has begun. Now, the betrothal period lasts for about a year. And in that time, the young man lives with his parents and the young lady lives with her parents. The young man begins building an addition onto his parents' house. That will be the place that they live in. So that usually takes this year-long process. The only way that the the marriage cannot happen at that point is either if someone dies or they or they are murdered and that would become that would usually come either in a form of divorce as according to the old law but we'll talk about that here in a sec then they wait for the wedding anniver- the wedding celebration in a year's time they're married big party big wahoo it's done they go to live in their addition to papa's house so that is the jewish wedding process and we're going to talk about some aspects of that as we, as we walk through this Christmas story. But first, let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7. The amazing thing about these verses in Isaiah and, and the verses in Micah, you have to understand that these verses in Isaiah were, were written or given 735 years before the birth of Christ. Now, that's a long time. For somebody to say exactly how something is going to happen. 
in the future. 735 years. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The power of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's go to Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then we go to Micah, a verse that was given 650 years prior to the birth of our Lord. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. It was foretold a heck of a long time ago. So we know that only God is behind it. Only he can tell somebody 735 years before it's going to happen exactly how it's going to happen. I hope that as we walk through the rest of this that, that God will show us how to look at this Christmas story in a little different way. And so we're going to look at it through the eyes of, of the three main characters in the story. Let's start with Luke, chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, 
How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then Mary responded, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. One more patch of verses, and then we'll get into the discussion here. Let's go to Luke 2, starting with verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger." because there was no place for them in the inn. I lied. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew 1. What I want to do here, at all of these sections of verses, give a little bit of different information about each of the three characters we're going to talk about. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And each of the renditions have just a little bit of information that that gives us something to look at for each character. So Matthew 1, starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Jesus woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. With all three of these people, there are some similarities and some differences. And we're going to talk about some of the similarities, some of the differences in them. We're going to discuss the, the anticipation of each and every one of them. The expectation that they each had at times of their lives as they were getting, getting ready to fulfill uh, the greatest quest known to mankind. We're going to discuss some of the great and terrible disappointments that they all had. And I can almost guarantee you that they each of them had some great and terrible disappointments. And then we'll talk about selflessness. A place where we, each and every one of us, have to get to in order to be utilized fully by our Lord and our God. And at that point, we'll be able to discuss what the full glory of the Lord is for each and every one of them. To give glimpses and views of what the full glory of the Lord can be for each and every one of us. The joy of the Lord. You know, as I walk the streets daily and, and, and mingle with people daily, it's becoming clearer and clearer to me that, that the thing many people are missing in this world is they are not realizing the full joy of the Lord. Is that happiness and jumping up and down and shouting with glee? No. As much as I would like it to be. <laughs> because that's what I love doing. Laughing, smiling. But joy is something different. The full joy in the Lord is a supernatural delight in the person, the purposes, and the people of God. We don't have to smile and be happy at all times, but we can, when we have the Spirit of God in us, we can delight in God the person. Because Jesus was the person that saved it and made it all worthwhile. We can have a supernatural delight in God's purposes. Even though there's conflict intermingled in with those purposes, we can delight in those things. A great, a great pastor and teacher of God passed away this last week. And I followed some of his writings through the years and, and some of the things that he stood for. And his name was Pastor Hutcherson. He was a former NFL football player. And in all the things and all the boilings of the world today, he stood strong in the things that the Word tells us we need to stand strong in. Whenever there was an issue about same-sex marriage, he was writing articles and stepping up to the platform to tell people what the truth of God was. 
Well, anyway, he, he struggled uh, with cancer for some 13 years. And, and he went from being a man who was a huge lineman in the NFL uh, to probably weighing uh, definitely less than 200 pounds. Well, he died this week. And one of the things I read that he said throughout the years that has impacted me is that he was so very thankful for this thing, this cancer, this disease that brought him closer to God, that brought him closer to the Word of God, that brought him closer to the people of God because it brought him the perspective he needed to understand finally. So bless him as he's gone on to be with the Lord. I thank him that he showed me that, that we can be thankful for the difficulties that are hitting us. We don't have to be joyful, happy. We can be joyful with the supernatural delight that God gives. So that's what we're working toward, that supernatural delight. In, in the people, the persons of God. Let's talk about Mary. Let's talk about anticipation. Now, when she got married, people say she was probably around 15 years old. When I started thinking about that, that put a whole new perspective on this whole birth of Jesus quest. If she was 15 years old and she sipped on that cup of, of wine and she said, I accept your life and in return, I give you my life. I can only imagine what the beginning of that year started to be like. At 15 years old, I'd be scared to death. I got married at age 39. I was still scared to death. Can you imagine the anticipation? I think the good things that happened in that year wait was each, the, the bride and the groom potential, they got to anticipate what life was going to be like with each other. There was a reason Joseph picked Mary. He watched her day by day in this small village. He knew what she was like. He knew what her character was like. He knew what her integrity was like. That is why he chose her. She, in turn, gets to see Joseph, who was probably around 23, 25 years of age, working hard daily as a carpenter, building, creating things with his hands, his integrity, his honor. They both got to see that in each other, and I'm sure they were excited about that. I'm sure they were taught the ways of the law, and I'm sure that they saw each other and thought, they're going to be special. That, that is someone that I can learn to love. That is someone that I can want to be with. So I'm sure Mary anticipated and watched and grew excited. I'm sure she was excited after the visit from the angel. <laughs> Hello. Duh, McFly. A visit from an angel. They both get one. But I can't tell you how many times I've asked God, send me an angel. I want to see him. I want to hear him. I want to touch him. I want to fly over Cheyenne with him. I have not yet had that honor, that blessing, 
but I ain't going to stop praying for it. They each got that experience. They each got to see, got to hear. And then I suppose Mary started being disappointed after her visit from the angel. And a 15-year-old probably would feel that way if, if she was told she's going to have a baby. And it's not going to be any man's baby. So I can only imagine that doubt started creeping in. That she, she started doubting herself. You know, this great marriage thing just became a possibility. And now I have this baby that's going to be growing in me, and, and it's not his. God, God, why me? Each year in the Osman family, we watch the nativity story. And I get something different from it every time we watch it. And what I got from it was Mary saying, why have you picked me, Lord? I am nothing. But that said it all for me with regards to us. That's the selflessness that Mary had. She realized she was nothing. And folks, we don't get anywhere close to the full glory of God, the full joy of the Lord, until we get to that place where we, 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 we realize we are nothing. We are nothing. She had doubt, I'm sure. But God gave her a little out there, I think. When he told her that she had someone that she was related to who was also pregnant, that put the thought in her mind, dude, I'm out of here. I'm getting out of this town so that some time will pass by. And if I am going to have a baby, then I'll know. But I can spend it with some other folks who are not going to judge me, who are not going to beat me up just in case I am pregnant. So she went and visited, and sure enough, how do you think she felt when she started showing that she was with child? Do you think that was a positive experience for her? I can only imagine a 15-year-old in another town wondering, praying, hoping that God would give me a way to tell my family about this when I return. What will this do to my marriage I had so many hopes, so many dreams, and now this, I just don't know. But Mary had a selflessness, a commitment to God. Remember verse 34 when she said, I asked the angel, how can this possibly be? I have never slept with a man. The angel said, that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Spirit. Ah. <sighs> I'm sure she, when she was able to think about it, process it, and go to the Lord about it, I'm sure she was able to say, that's good news. It's a miracle. Joseph, she probably practiced this, Joseph, it's a miracle. I'm with child, and it was from the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? I can imagine that Joseph's first response was anything but that. She probably had a good news, bad news sort of way to tell him. She, 
when she got back to town, I'm pretty sure she decided to tell him right away because she was showing. She had been gone for three months, and she was pregnant a month before she left, so she's four months along. I'm pretty sure she knew that she needed to confront Joseph when she got back. So it was probably one of two things, a good news, bad news sort of thing. Joseph, the good news is I'm pregnant. I think I just screwed that up. The bad news is I'm pregnant. The good news is it's not any man's child. How do you think he took that? Yeah, right. It's not any man's child. This would have crushed Mary and Joseph in their city. But what if she said this to him? Joseph. I have the most wonderful news. I'm going to have a baby. And it's not just any baby. An angel told me I was going to have a baby through the Holy Spirit. This is the Messiah. This is the child we have all been waiting for. How do you think he would respond to that? I imagine it took some time. But don't you think Joseph had anticipation and expectation? I can only imagine what a 23, 25-year-old man is thinking. She accepted my proposal. She drank from the wine and she gave me back the cup. How exciting is that? I'm going to go home and I'm going to start building our home. What a purpose. Something so incredible. And he has a year to let that build. To fall in love with Mary each and every day. As he thinks about the incredible things that are coming before them. And then he also hit terrible disappointment. You're having the Holy Spirit's baby? (laughs) Right. Sure. Well, I will admit you don't hear that one every day. But verse 19 says, He was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. We know from the law in Deuteronomy that that Joseph had a couple options. He could divorce her. Or he could bring her to the doorstep of her father's house and he could initiate her stoning to death. We can see that he's already thinking about quietly divorcing her. You know, all of this came out of nowhere for Joseph and Mary. But in the midst of this, Joseph, he didn't push away his foundation. I'm sure he was knowledgeable of the ways of the time and of the Bible, the Old Testament. And I think that's why verse 20 says what it says. After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, only twice in the New Testament is anyone referred to as the son of David. 
The only other person was Jesus. So Joseph is in good company here. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's interesting that it was after he considered the question of what to do with Mary that the angel of the Lord appeared, don't you think? I think God was giving him the chance to do what was right, to think what was right. And I got to believe in my heart from reading this that the fact that he was trying to figure out a quiet way to end this is saying that he was thinking about doing the right thing for Mary, for himself. It's incredible that these two young people were put in this position. But the last part of their story is a story of obedience and selflessness. Verse 24 says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name of Jesus. What is incredible about this is he did not even wait for the full year to take place of their betrothal. Once he had confirmation from the angel, his angel and her angel, he said, I'm going to make it so right away. We're not going to wait a year. We're not going to wait the rest of the six, seven months. You come into my house, Mary, so that we can tell the world that this child is ours. Now, do you think they, they probably had a discussion that said, this is not going to be easy. The people in our village are going to despise us. It's, to, it's just going to be hard to live here. Which is probably more reason as to why he did it. So he brought her home. I'm sure, as my oldest daughter asked, she never misses a thing. We go through the story. We watch the movie. She says, was there a wedding ceremony? You know what? I'm sure there was. Because I'm sure Joseph had the wherewithal to say, you know what? There is something really special about this. And I really need to celebrate this with my family. And with my lovely new wife. So yes, I'm sure there was a wedding ceremony. I'm sure they were embarrassed. I'm sure people thought, hey, look what they did. Having a baby, not even married. <laughs> no different than today. Society, and hey, I'm putting myself in the same category. We jump all over people without really knowing the truth. And there is always truth. And Joseph's and Mary's truth was selflessness. We are going to make this happen. <laughs> In Mark 6, 3, 
it says. It is not this, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph, Joseph and Judas and Simon, are, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Have any of you ever had that happen? You just can't seem to be a Christ follower in the midst of your own family, in the midst of your own town. Well, it started way back when. They were going to doubt everything about that young couple, and yet everything about that young couple was true and right and given as a gift from God. So I would encourage you, us, if you run into difficulties when you're visiting or in your hometown because people know the old you, hey, I hear you clucking, big chicken. It's tough. But you know what? I know what God thinks. I know how God feels. And I am not going to accept the lie of the world. And that's exactly what Joseph and Mary decided to do. Not to accept the lie of the world. <laughs> and then they had to travel. On top of all these uplifting things that were happening in their lives. To a 15 year old a 23-year-old. Then the decree came down, we got to go to our hometown, Joseph's hometown, 100 miles away. Now, I thought about that. I can't even imagine that, walking it, riding a donkey it, wooden cart it. Either way, I'm going to have bumps and blisters in places I don't want to admit. They did it. 100 miles. Can you imagine any 15-year-old doing that? Let alone one who is pregnant? Can you imagine a 23-year-old man taking charge enough to lead the family any way necessary to get there? Selflessness. Selflessness. I guarantee you Joseph made sure that Mary and the animal had all the food just so they would get him there. And that doesn't even include the disappointment they probably had as an expectant mother and father. When you're expecting a child and you're a mom and a dad, you're going, oh, I can't wait. Lord, uh, provide the things I need to provide for them. I want to give them the best. I want to give them the brightest. I want to give them everything that maybe I never had. They're expecting. They're asking for provision. They're wanting to provide. They walk a hundred miles. The town is bustling because everybody's come for the census. So there's good people. There's bad people. There's people everywhere. It's chaotic. And then they can't get a room. Nobody knows that the king is about to be born. What's the deal here, God? 
You said that the Messiah was coming through us. Nobody gives a crap. Selflessness. I'm sure Joseph checked every building he could to find any space he could where his child could be born. His feet bleeding, probably ready to drop, probably malnutritioned. He searched and he, until he found the place. And what did you think mom and dad thought when they went in? They went into this manger area. Do you think maybe they thought, I expected something so much more grand. And he's going to be born in the midst of the animals and the smell of the animals and the tracks of the animals. And the only place they could find for him to be laid was in the trough, which was probably made out of stone. It was probably cold, probably full of animal saliva. You name it. We have chickens. Chickens do it everywhere. So as my girls would say, there's probably chicken poo everywhere. And that's where the child was going to be laid. Do you think they had other expectations? Do you think they maybe felt a little alone? Joseph didn't get any Lamaze classes. He didn't get any classes on how to coach his wife. And I can pretty well guarantee you he didn't have an inkling as to the woman's ways back then. And at that time, he is forced into helping to deliver that baby with his wife. Who are really not much yet but strangers to each other. Is that selfless or what? Selflessness. I couldn't find anything in their story that wasn't selfless. And I pray that that happens for my girls when they're 15. I pray that it happens for me as I'm an old man. And I pray that it happens for you. Something I found that was interesting... Someone wrote, the heart of the story is about a just man who wakes up one day to find his life wrecked, his wife pregnant, his trust betrayed, his name ruined, his future revoked. It is about a righteous man who surveys a mess he had absolutely nothing to do with and decides to believe that God is present in it. He owns this mess. He legitimizes it and gives it a name. And the mess becomes the place where new life is born. Are we able to do that like Joseph and Mary did? 
to hear God whispering to us, it's going to be okay. This is all right. This is the way I want it. And say, okay, God, be birthed right here. Be born right here in the middle of it all, God, because I trust you. That's what we're doing every day in our lives. He's whispering to us in every hardship, every piece of conflict. He's saying, I know, I know, but hear me. It's okay. It's okay. You're going to be all right. And then we just have to say, okay, let Jesus be born right here. Let him be born right in the middle of the ugliness. I came across a true story. On a cold Christmas Eve in 1952, when Korea was in the throes of civil war, one young woman struggled along a village street, obviously soon to deliver a child. She pleaded with passersby, help me, please, help my baby. No one paid any attention to her. A middle-aged couple walked by, and the wife pushed away the young mother and sneered, where's the father? Where's your American man now? The couple laughed and went on. The young woman almost doubled up from a contraction as she watched them go. Please, she begged. She had heard of a missionary living nearby who might help her. Hurriedly, she began walking to that village. If only he would help her baby. Shivering and in pain, she struggled over the frozen countryside. But that night was so cold. Snow began to fall, and realizing that the time was near to deliver her baby, she took shelter under a bridge. There alone, her baby was born on Christmas Eve. Worried about her newborn son, she took off her own clothes, wrapped them around the baby, and held him close in the warm circle of her arms. The next day, the missionary braved the new snow to deliver Christmas packages. As he walked along, he heard the cry of a baby. He followed the sound to a bridge. Under it, he found a young mother frozen to death, still clutching her crying newborn son. The missionary tenderly lifted the baby out of her arms. When the baby was 10 years old, his now adoptive father told him the story of his mother's death on Christmas Eve. The young boy cried, realizing the sacrifice his mother had made for him. The next morning, the missionary rose early to find the boy's bed empty. Seeing a fresh set of small footprints in the snow, he bundled up warmly in a winter coat and followed the trail. It led back to the bridge where the young mother had died. As the missionary approached the bridge, he stopped, stunned. Kneeling in the snow was his son naked and shivering uncontrollably. His clothes lay beside him in a small pile. Moving closer, he heard the boy say through chattering teeth, Mother, were you this cold for me? That story reminds me of another mother and father and son. How often do we come to them, to Jesus, asking, is this 
how you felt for me. Let's look at it from Jesus' point of view. Jesus was God. Praise God. What do you think it was like for God to enter the world in the form of a little child? To leave the essence of perfection. He got to be somewhere warm. He got to be somewhere safe and comfy. But then, what must it have been like to enter the world? And then, what must it have been like for him to grow up? I asked myself a question. I said, you know, we're told that Jesus grew in stature and wisdom. And, but I, I wanted to know exactly how that came about. And it felt like God said, Joseph and Mary understood who their child was. And they got to relay that to him. However, God allowed them to relay that to him each and every day of his life. There is a process in the Osman family that God has given to us, and it was not through any action of me. I'll be honest with you. Um, when we pray in our family before school, it makes a difference in how school and the day goes and how our love flows and how everything works. And, and sometimes learning is difficult um, for my little Natalia. And one day she came to Marty and she said, Mama, can we make sure that we pray for me every day before school? And Marty brought that to me. And we've been talking so much about the Father heart of God and adoption and, and how we need to be so tightly knit. And God told me something that day, and I, and I think he told this to Joseph. Before you leave the house, Randy, every day, I want you to cup the faces of your daughters and your wife in your hands. And I want you to speak blessing into their lives each and every day. So that began at that time. And I will tell you that change has happened in my family. And I feel, sometimes I feel like life is not worth living if I forget to do that. But I will tell you this. I truly believe Joseph did that for his son and the rest of his sons and the rest of his daughters. Because how else, up until the age that Jesus realized, would he know he was special? He had a mother and a father who had angelic visits. We need to relay that to our son. Jesus, you are special. Jesus, you came to this earth to save all mankind. Jesus, be blessed. Jesus, whatever you need, we will provide because you are loved.
You are special. I would urge you, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, and this is not new. We've touched upon this in the past. Do not let a day go by that you don't speak blessing over the people in your life. Do not let it go by. I tell you, when you do, the attacks, they almost always find a way to break through on the days that I forget. <laughs> so Joseph and Mary, they helped this little baby who was probably scared to death with an urgency in his life that he didn't fully understand. And that's how the, how the Holy Spirit is. The tension. The tension, always pushing, always pulling. That's God. That's God in the world. Working against each other. And I'm sure Jesus had an inkling. There's a tension. There's a tension surrounding me. Until he was around the age of 12. And they left him at the temple. And he was telling the, the priests and the rabbis how it was. He was preaching. And that's when he said, I'm doing my father's business. <clears throat> Do you think he was excited as, as he walked with the disciples, as he was teaching, as he was healing, as he was loving? Do you think he was excited about where the culmination of all that was coming? He knew what was going to happen. Do you think he was excited for the church to be born and explode to be taken to every corner of the world like it is now? Do you think that excited him? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that he was hit by terrible disappointment? Do you think that as he was beaten, battered, bloody, that he was disappointed. But he was selfless. Oh, wasn't Jesus selfless? I've read enough of that story to know that I wouldn't want to be born into the world if, <laughs> if that was the way it was going to end. He still did it. To the very end, which has yet to be fulfilled, he's doing it. He sits at the right hand of God, praying for you and you and you and you in every situation. And he's saying, it'll be okay. You're going to be okay. You just have to let me be birthed into this. You can't do it yourself. Joseph couldn't do it himself. Mary couldn't do it himself. Jesus couldn't do it as himself a man. That's why he was God too. 
Don't try to do it yourselves. I'm begging you all this week, think about the selflessness. Think about giving your difficulties over. Think about just saying, I can't do it. God, bring Jesus into this. There is a great rumbling happening in this world. There is a great groaning that's taking place. I, for one, am excited. I'm only speaking for myself. But I am excited because I know that we're going to birth Jesus into this. And all truth will be proclaimed. All strength will be given. All of us, his children, will be fully, physically, mentally, spiritually restored and lifted up. And it's going to be mighty. It's going to be mighty. Father, in Jesus' name, I just bless each and every person here today. I bless you if you're hurting. And I tell you that the hurt will be taken away. I bless you if you're sick. And I tell you that God loves to heal. And if you don't know the baby Jesus, if he hasn't been born into your lives, then now is the time to do that. Father, bless this body. Provide for the, for the every need of each and every person in here, God. Cup them in, cup your, their faces in your hands, God, and, and smile upon them and, and just tell them, I hear you. I know. And it's going to be okay. Not only is it going to be okay, it's going to be perfect. In Jesus' name, I bless you all. Amen.